So these are some headlines from 2014 to 2018 about the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria known as ISIS. Video shows ISIS beheading U.S. journalist James Foley. What Obama said about Islamic State as a JV team. Should thousands of ISIS fighters and their families be allowed to return home? 500 ISIS fighters surrender in group's last Syrian enclave. ISIS has lost its final stronghold in Syria, the Syrian Democratic Forces says. Hi, my name is Alize Gonzalez. And I'm Tammy Palacios. And on this podcast, we're going to be talking about the future of ISIS. And starting off, we're going to talk about the territory that was lost in Syria. And then we're going to follow up with a discussion about foreign fighters, uh, why they join ISIS, and what is going on with them returning home. So who is ISIS? So they're a Salafi, Sunni, jihadist, militant, transnational group that uses terrorism as a tactic to pursue their goals. Oh, okay, so they're Al-Qaeda. I mean, yes, but no. I mean, they're both transnational actors and they both use terrorism, so they're both considered terrorist groups by a large segment of the world. Um, But who they're opposing is different. Oh, okay. So, like Al-Qaeda, they're more concerned with the far enemy, which includes the Western part of the world and the U.S., whereas ISIS... They're more focused on sectarian divides. So, in Islam, there's Sunni and Shia denominations. Uh, ISIS is Sunni. So, Salafi is a sect off of Sunni um, that's very focused on a puritanical way of Islam following back to the days of Prophet Muhammad. Um, So they're looking to purify Islam by getting rid of Shia and any denomination that's besides them. Okay, so using terrorism tactics to do that. Absolutely. So what's going on in Syria? So right now, the UN has estimated that over 10,000 people have died because of these conflicts, and thousands more have been displaced all over the world. This has been going on for a while now. I mean, when did it really start? Well, it kind of all started in the Arab Spring of 2011. We have headlines. I mean, the United States and Russia's involved. I mean, what's what's really going on? Like, who's who's fighting who? Well... There are many different rebel forces, which includes ISIS. So who are these other rebel forces? Some of the other rebel forces include Hezbollah, the Kurdish forces, then you have Free Syrian Army, the Syrian Liberation Front, the Syrian Islamic Front, independent alliances, and you have the Jabha al-Nusra, which is actually allied with al-Qaeda. So, I mean, we've seen headlines with the United States and, and Russia getting involved. 
But you're basically saying that all of these rebel forces are all fighting uh, Bashar al-Assad regime? Technically, they are. However, at the same time, they're fighting themselves. And that's, I mean, there's a deep, deeply entrenched uh, sectarian, religious, and ethnic divide that we see in both Iraq and in Syria. Um, So, I mean, ISIS really just took advantage. Oh, of course. They took on that role of filling that void that is within these two countries. And it's all due to the poor governance in the country. So that's what really allowed for this to happen. I mean, and at their height, 2014, they controlled from central Syria to the outskirts of Baghdad. I mean, they had mostly Fallujah, um, their de facto capital, Raqqa. However, in the past month of March in 2019, they just lost that de facto capital of Raqqa in Syria. This next segment is going to be about foreign fighters. According to the Geneva Academy, a foreign fighter is an individual who leaves his or her country of origin or habitual residence to join a non-state armed group in an armed conflict abroad and who's primarily motivated by ideology, religion, and or kinship. So foreign fighters have been flooding Uh, Syria especially. There's been multiple um, reports of the influx of foreign fighters being far more than was seen in um, the Iraq invasion, even in those that flooded to Afghanistan uh, with the Soviet-Afghanistan war. Um, The head of National Counterterrorism Center actually estimates up to 20,000 foreign fighters uh, from at least 90 countries have joined the fights in Iraq and Syria. Um, Within those, there's 3,400 foreign fighters uh, from uh, the United States and Western Europe, Canada, Australia. Um, The concern with this, though, comes from what happens when these people come back. The concern is that when these people come back to their native grounds, they're going to take the ideologies and the things that they've learned while being in ISIS and try to implement them throughout the country that they are from. So in this that's the the main the main headline right now is what is with this imminent threat of foreign fighters returning home, um, heads of state and all those involved in the global war against terror are uh, talking about, you know, how do you find out who's a threat, who's not a threat? Um, recently, we had Alabama. There was actually a U.S. citizen. Yeah, there was a U.S. citizen from Alabama who's trying to seek help with her U.S. citizenship, even though, according to the Department of Justice and Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, argued that the woman is not a U.S. citizen because her father was a Yemeni diplomat at the time that she was born, which makes her ineligible for automatic citizenship. And her lawyers said that he had left his post before she was even born. So we have, um, so we have, um, I mean, there's, there's human security concerns, there's legal concerns, um, but it's really just an unresearched field and the only thing that can really be done is comparisons to 
foreign fighters that went to fight in Chechnya, in Afghanistan, uh, with the Soviet invasion. Um, but the implications are really unknown. And there's just these other questions of, you know, this influx of foreign fighters, uh, if it's instability that it saw within ISIS, the group, uh, help the demise of ISIS and their loss of territory in Syria. So we have this little clip from a Canadian native-born uh, Muhammad Ali, who joined ISIS in 2014, and he's regarded under the nom de guerre uh, Abu Turab al And uh, We'll listen to him here. I mean, I guess there's a lot of bad blood between the foreigners and the, and the Iraqis now, or the Syrians. Um, the foreigners feel like they have been, um, like I said, left out, hung to dry. Um, they have been used and abused. And now um, the trust is not there at all between the foreigners and the locals. The foreigners are trying to leave, trying to get back home. But a lot of the Syrians and the Iraqis, um, they're just melting back into the population, holding down for a while. And when things start again, they'll rise back up. They have pockets in the desert. They've got people intermingling with the population, acting as civilians, just biding their time. So Canadian-born Muhammad Ali is just one of hundreds being held by Syrian Defense Forces in Syria. And they are in turn just a portion of the thousands of foreign fighters, some of which have returned home already, others that are looking to return home, uh, like Muhammad Ali is hoping to return to Canada to his family, and tons of others, like he mentioned, have blended into the Iraqi and Syrian landscape, uh, blending in with civilians. But foreign fighters is just a part of the discussion about the future of ISIS and the threat of ISIS now. Now, currently, President Donald J. Trump has made false claims about ISIS being defeated, talking about withdrawing more than 2,000 troops to a base in Iraq to keep watch on Iran. However, the Pentagon just recently released a report stating that ISIS is still active in Iraq and Syria, and without the constant pressure that the U.S. military gives them, there'll be a fighting force again within 6 to 12 months. A little bit of deja vu, huh? I mean, ISIS really came in and took advantage of a void that was left by the removal of American forces in Iraq and in Syria. Um, So they're leaving a situation where you have a still unstable country, you still have poor governance, you still have this deeply entrenched history of sectarian, ethnic, and religious divides that have only been exacerbated by this conflict. Right, exactly. And the next question for that is, can ISIS go underground? So we have a counterterrorism expert, Thomas McCabe. Uh, He wrote an article titled The Islamic State After the Caliphate. Can IS go underground? And he argues that while ISIS cadres have evidently made considerable preparations for resuming underground operations, um, how effectively they will be able to do so depends on at least four major factors. Uh, These are how effectively the Syrian and Iraqi governments reestablish stable governance and security, Uh, Above all, whether or not they can identify and root out the ISIS infrastructure. And two, whether those arguments arguments those governments can reintegrate the Sunni Arabs at the core of their role in Syria and Iraq. 
three, the practical realities of going around, and four, whether ISIS will be able to maintain its declared legitimate authority if underground. We were going to end this podcast with a clip from al-Baghdadi, however... A voice clip from this newest video that was available just this morning has seemingly disappeared off of Google. Now this goes into the discussion of what is the future of ISIS? And then to start that off, we have to talk about the foreign fighters. So when they go back to their countries, are they still going to be devoted to ISIS? And if so, are they going to recruit others into that devotion? to join the fight in the world or are they going to go back and be rehabilitated or de-radicalized and actually join the regular citizens of the countries that they are from? Also dependent on uh, the strength of ISIS uh, Waliyat, which is Arabic for provinces, uh, ISIS has extended its reach into Southeast Asia and to North Africa. And uh, the strongest wilayat is actually the Khorasan province, which is in Afghanistan. So while ISIS has lost territory in Iraq and Syria and the defeat has been declared, uh, they still have hold of some territory in Khorasan province. So then this goes into the counterterrorism efforts. And in that effort, they always have to make sure to stay one step ahead of ISIS. And not preemptively declaring the end of ISIS because the Salafi jihadist militant ideology that was born with Zarqawi and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi may reemerge and it still remains. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to our podcast. podcast.